His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Wow. (laughs) Is God good or what? You know, as we were even worshiping today, all I could think of was um, Josh and just remembering the season where we were just praying that he would live and, and look at him. And I was just like, God, you d- we just have so many times where it's just like we need to be thankful for the testimonies of now because he has so many testimonies, more to come, he just does. I had just, it's funny because Ron had shared that and I had seen that same verse about whatever you ask to and they were, it was a non-believer or a believer sharing with a non-believer when I heard this and they said, whatever you ask in love, it needs to become love because whatever God does is love. And so whatever you ask, it's love and it'll be done. And I thought that was a really good, I thought, well, that's even a, that's a really good boundary there. I'm asking out of love. I'm asking for these things. Well, today's a very, not, not today, tomorrow's a very special day. And I'm not going to mention anybody, but it's really special. (laughs) It's really special because um, I got to, I didn't get to watch her be born, but I did watch her. Uh, grow up and and um, she was just part of our lives from the time she was a baby and it's just exciting it's just uh, it's it's wonderful to have family like that and and I just want to bless her she's an amazing amazing daughter and we just bless Brian I'm sorry but it's just an exciting day and so today's a real exciting day for Ron and I he didn't remember, but that's okay. Our first date was 47 years ago. We started dating when we were five. Not, but anyway, and, uh, and I said, and yeah, and you kissed me, because I had already, I mean, I had boundaries. And he said, um, no, I waited till the second day, because it was a concert, and it was two, day lo- two days long, and he said, I, I waited till the second day, because I knew you wouldn't go out with me <laughs> again if I did it on the first day. <laughs> and then he goes, I'll marry you. <laughs> and we were, yeah, he did get me. And we were married five months later, so um, I'll tell you. But he was also one of my best friends, so we knew. We knew God was doing a good thing. So it's a good day. Back then. Back then, he was one of my best friends. I had girls, too, you know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, and then we have this other blessing. And um, we would have got the whole, whole package blessing, but it cost him $6,000 to come at Christmas time. And so we got this package blessing. <laughs> and once a mama, oh, always a mama. <laughs> this is the way it is. Oh. So, Lord, thank you. Uh, let your word come out. And, Lord, I just want to thank you for the amazing words that Jared gives. Golly, 
It, it, you just are down, you download revelation to him, and I thank you for it. And so, God, I also thank you that I pray something will be revelation for all of us today. But if not, your spirit's been so pe- present and so powerful, and you're doing so much that we just live in gratitude. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Ron and I and everybody else was really, we had a good vacation. It was really relaxing, but it was so good to be home. We just love home. You know, um, this is just saying, but Mexico Beach, which was right next to where we were at, they'd had a hurricane, Hurricane 5, 5, a Category 5, a year ago, and they never had one. And I was, look, I was looking at all the buildings, and my heart just is the whole area all the way to Panama City, but my heart was just broken over. I thought, how do they get up and go back on? How, how do they keep going? And I thought, what if that's the only place you'd ever lived? What if that was your home? Because they were. They, they boarded them up, but the businesses were destroyed. Their livelihood was destroyed. And I just, uh, I just was interceding and 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 then the Bahamas was happening at that time and I thought Lord I thank you for rest and we just did have an incredible rest but I prayed for that rest here and I also prayed that our hearts would be full of compassion that we would have compassion and not just see where we are you know and our needs met when you look at I it's like God I ask for that greater heart in all of us Anyway, so we, we really did have an amazing time, but I came home to our house, and I thought, God, we've been in this house. It'll be 35 years now, and I was like in Owen County, and I'm like, what would you feel if you couldn't go back to your home? And I just was like, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you that the walls are standing, and, you know, it, thank you. And I just think we need to stay in that place. So then we had this amazing Friday night, and we had worship with all the kids, and um, Nate came, and we need to announce Nate. Nate, stand up. He's from Global Celebration. He's going to go to Bulgaria as a missionary, and y'all need to talk to him. He's just he's just an awesome, awesome young man, and uh, we had an awesome time with him. Anyway, we had this wonderful worship happening and people were given words but Callie gave a word that I've Ron and I've been praying and Callie gave a word that I really in ways related to what Jared was talking about um she said God was going to pull the blinders God was pulling blinders off our eyes and I realized as you grow in the Lord, you continually have more blinders pulled off. It's not like, okay, now I see and I see everything and I see the word all the way it's supposed to be. It's like we constantly live in a revelation and an understanding. And so Paul described this, this, this uh, uh, ability to see. And he said... Um, Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy of what you think you see. Eventually, which will fade away. It's more enduring than tongues, which will one day fail, fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and prophecies and understandings are but partial. They're partial. We see in part. 
But when love's perfection arrives, the partial fades away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. We're all growing. For I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child. You know, a child, when they cry, it's all about them. They're not going to think about anyone else. It's just the way children are. Everything is about them. They walk in the room, and it's all about them. It's just the way it is. When I grew up, I began, and I matured, I set aside the childish ways. For now we see a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we're going to see face to face. My understanding, and this is the Apostle Paul who wrote all this scripture, is incomplete now. But one day I'll understand everything just as everything about me has fully been understood. But until then, there are three things that remain. Faith, faith in him. Faith in the Lord, hope, and love, and love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. And I just love that because that unveiling unveils love. That unveiling lets you see, like he saw the scriptures toward the Pharisees. And that's so funny because I've been thinking those same thoughts. Because of love, so I want you to hear this because this is a teaching on humility today that he's just been showing me. And it's a new place for me, and there's more, you know. But because of love, Christ humbled himself. He was God, and he came to earth. He humbled himself. So humility holds love, and love holds humility. He humbled himself, his body, and love gives humility. The more we choose his road, the clearer we will see. I believe unveiling comes in the road of humility. I do. I believe that you can't see in the road of pride. So I've been pondering this. I was pondering it, and I've been writing on it and talking to Ron about it while we were gone. And, and when I was a kid, I was doing a psychology class, and um, I did a term paper on love versus hate in my psychology class. Of course, I use scriptures and things like that. But I, but I talked about what love was, what I knew at that time, and what hate was, and what I knew at that time. And I, I came to the conclusion that love was more powerful than hate. And so I was thinking about that when I was thinking pride versus humility. The enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy from the garden. Christ came in humility as a little baby to heal the world. Pride versus humility. Humility has won the day. Jesus was the most humble of all human men. He lived in the human flesh that had fallen because of pride, because we listened to Satan in the garden, the author who tricked man to turn from trusting in God, to their maker, to an inferior plan devised by the king of pride. And he still thinks he's got his plan. They turn from supreme trust, which is such an issue all, for all of us, humility to their own strength, their own plan. Thus pride came in and man fell from glory. And that was the, when we, on Thursday or Friday night, we sang so much. I think Jacob's the one that led it, but so much about glory. Lord, bring us into your glory. Let us see in your glory. And we fell from glory. 
we fell from glory. And I loved it because they just started spontaneously singing, bring us into your glory, bring us into your glory. And we fell from glory to weak, debased human humanity. We just did. God did not create us not to live in glory. He didn't create us not to have everything he created that's absolutely perfect be glorified. We're to be glorified on the earth in him. We're to live in glory in him. And he didn't, um, Romans, Romans 3.23 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All humanity. We all did. We live in glory once again in Christ Jesus. The more we just live in him, we've been crucified with him, we're saved by faith in him, glory comes. Okay, glory comes on us. First Peter 5.10 says, God has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Now listen to this, because we have an issue with pride. After you have suffered a while, and this is Peter talking this way, after you've suffered a while in weakened circumstances, and I don't know anybody on earth that's not experienced weakened circumstances, After you've suffered a while, he will make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. And that's on earth. That's not just heaven. That's here. So humility builds this place of making us perfect. It was Peter's journey. It was Paul's journey. It was the leader's journeys in the Old Testament. It's the church's journey now. Saints, old and new. Humility houses love, and we're to be a house of love. Jesus came full of grace and truth. He was humble, a human, confident in the Father and the Holy Spirit. Man, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be so confident and yielded to the Lord, to the Father, to hear what the Spirit's saying, that I'm full of grace and truth. Jesus came to those who would trust and rely on him. He gave them right to become reborn. His DNA is children. His glory once again. We already have that in the blood of Christ. I love that everybody's taking communion. We already have been glorified in Christ. But you have the choice of whether you still trust. You have the choice of whether you allow God to bring you into humility. It's all our choice. Every single one of us. Second Corinthians, and I love this because this is Paul talking about one of his learning glory times. He was weakened because of some thorn in the flesh or some persecution or whatever, but it was basically a humbling, okay? And he cried out three times for God to remove this hard thing from him. Anybody been there? Ah, remove it. And God said, my grace is sufficient. It's enough for you. I love we sang, you're enough. For my power, miraculous miracle working beyond earth limited realm. And enable, in a, what? limited realm. Enable to be completely manifested in the humility of human frailty. My grace covers you like glory, a tent 
That's what it's saying. So I gladly rejoice. I worship you. I praise you. I stay in the goodness of God. I stay in my thanksgiving and my human frailty and humble situation so that your tent of glory, your power can rest over me and you become my identity as your child. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, I'm at peace and even find joy in being made humble. In any hard situation, suffering for the sake of my Savior, anointed in glory, because when made humble at my weakest, he makes me strong. Full of power, full of confidence, full of who he is. So as I've read these scriptures, the one in James says, let the one, and I loved this, this is a new interpretation for me, let the one of humble circumstances, and that was in one of the translations. It was in, in the King James poor. Let the one of humble circumstances, and I'm just going to say all of us if we choose it, rejoice, worship, praise in his situation, knowing God gives great grace to the humble and will exalt you in his time. So you can rejoice in any humble situation you're in right now. He will exalt you. But the rich, the famous, the powerful, in man's strength, great abundance in all human gifts, and God gave them, it's okay to have them. Mind, body, voice, uh, money, provisions. But the rich rejoice in being made humble. He wasn't telling you you weren't going to be rich. He wasn't telling you you weren't going to have riches. It's not sin to be rich. It was to rejoice in being made humble. God dwells with the humble. He dwells. Who do I dwell with? Him who is humble and has a contrite heart. Because as beautiful flowers pass away, so will all man's achievements that rested on his own strength. But what you do in his glory will go with you forever. I love that. This isn't against God's gifts, his grace, his miracle power, riches in Christ, as Jesus completely exhibited in all ways, healing signs, wonders, miraculous provision, but totally because of it, all your gifts yielded to him are under his tent of glory. You're not strong in you, you're strong in him and in his glory. Corinthians 15, 45 says, thus it is written, and I love this, the first Adam became a living being, an individual personality. We're all Adams here. First became an individual personality. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. He brought life and glory back to us, restoring the dead to life. Is that amazing? I just think these scriptures are just beautiful and amazing. So I was pondering on humility, and it brought me to another question and a word that I had read. Remember the prodigal son? And in the story of the prodigal son, there's two sons, right? And the first son um, stays with his father, stays, stays in his father's land and handles crops or whatever he does. And the second son squanders it all and goes away. But then here's this compassionate father who loves them both the same. And the son comes home. And the first thing that he gives him is he said, I want you to put on a robe. And, I, and, then, and what I had read was this robe is salvation. It's glory. 
I forgive you, son, and I'm going to put glory on you. When you got saved, God put his glory over you. He put his glory over all your weaknesses and all your sins, and he cleansed them, and now you live in glory. You are all full of glory, all of you. Problem is you don't know it or you don't think it, but it's the truth. And if you would walk anywhere, you'd be shocked at all of the power and authority you carry because you have that robe. Okay, the second one was a ring. And I think this was funny because the, son, the older son, I believe, carried the robe. But he didn't have the ring. And the ring represents marriage and intimacy and friendship with God. He did not have a friendship with his father. He was slaving for his father. He didn't need us to slave. He wants us as sons and daughters. He didn't have intimacy. And the last thing he gave him was shoes. And this is so funny because years ago I've had two visions of God giving me shoes. And the first one was a pair of brown loafers. And he told me, he said, I'm going to give you the gift of humility. Well, I've still been believing for that one, okay? And then he said the second time, and it was when I was actually at Bethel in Israel with my head on a stone, I had a vision, and the Lord said, I'm taking your shoes and I'm going to give you silver shoes, which is revelation and understanding. I'm going to give that to you. Anyway, he gave the shoes to his younger son, which was authority. And he restored his son to authority. His older son had authority, but he didn't have intimacy. He was going to miss it if he didn't get the intimacy with his father right. But the younger son had been humbled, and he received the glory, and he received the intimacy, and he received the authority. And so my question is, do you know your authority? Humility understands authority. Humility understands authority. And we've been raised in America where humility isn't, isn't considered a particularly great gift. But with God, it's one of his best. You can see more clearly your authority. Humility holds love and values people. God values authority. I want you to understand something. Authority is God's gravity on the earth. It keeps things working. It's what he works. I mean, honestly, even with men that are in authority that are not good, God is still governing because he said he was. And he knows how to get rid of them. I remember the whole group of Christians. Bonhoeffer was one of them. Was going to kill Hitler. And yet God took care of Hitler. God will take care of bad authority if we'll submit to him, to the Father. He will. Authority is God's. Just a minute, I lost my place. God values authority. It's his gravity on the earth. It's his rule of order. To value God, his authority, you must see and value your own. God wants you to, to understand your own glory. But he also wants you to understand your kingdom people. And wherever you walk, the kingdom of God walks with you. And you have authority. 
and you need to walk in that authority. But if you don't have intimacy, you're not going to walk in the way that he wants. Intimacy is friendship with God. And it is knowing him. And intimacy also is loving one another. I love this. So the more, um, so what is my authority? And I was asking the Lord that. I'm like, what's, what is your authority? And he gave me this story. Matthew 8. Now listen to this. It's really cool. Because it's just like a little nugget for me. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. A, miller, a military man understood authority. He understood authority. He's in Israel. He's a military man. And yet, he's not a Jew. Okay? And he told Jesus to speak to the sickness in his servant, afflicting his servant, and it would leave. Just say the word. We are supposed to be speaking the words over situations, over destinies. We are supposed to be speaking his word, his word. Just say the word. And he was saying, Jesus, just say your word and my servant will be healed. I am unworthy of you entering my house. I, I don't deserve for you to enter my house. But he was a good man. And everyone knew it. And he was also one who believed in God. And Jesus said, this understanding of authority gave this man great faith. I want to say that again. This understanding of authority gave this man great faith. And Jesus said, it is the greatest faith in all of Israel. Not, not the Pharisees, not, not even the ones that waited on him. This is, Jesus spoke, and he said, this man who's outside, who understands authority and is humble, has greater faith than anyone else in Israel. So humility and understanding God's authority breeds faith that causes miracles to happen. And this man's servant was healed the moment Jesus spoke his word. His humility told Jesus, I don't deserve you to come into my house, but his faith in Christ's authority opened his household, all his household, to the kingdom of God. God wants us to understand these things. Joseph, David, and these are in the Old Testament in, in different governments, so you've got to understand this. Joseph, Daniel, Jacob. Uh, Jacob had to learn it. Jacob had to go through a hard thing. Uh, Moses, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther, Ruth, Rahab. It wasn't just to honor God, but to all authority. To all authority. Honoring authority is understanding God. I want to talk about women just quickly. This was years ago. Ron and I got married, and I had we, we were our church was where we were at that time, and they wanted us me to wear a head covering, which didn't work too well. But I really worked on, and it was it was elders who were twenty years old. You know, I mean, twenty years old was our elders, and and so I was having a hard time. I'm like, I, I'm not wearing a head covering, but I want to honor you. 
And then I started reading about Sarah, and Sarah became my hero. Sarah was not frightened by any fear. Sarah did not live in any fear. Women, that is huge. She didn't live in fear. It's hard. Mama's hearts want to fear. They want to worry. They want to think about things, and she lived in no fear. But it says that she submitted to her husband. And there was a real strong submission movement to your husband's kind of thing. But the Lord gave me a revelation and understanding. And he said, if you will submit your life to your husband, I'll deal with him. And the Bible says that he will. I'll deal with him in his time. But you submit to him and you listen to him and you trust me. And I did. But I learned, I learned a couple, you know, lessons quickly. We had gotten married, and you guys know I like dogs. And so I wanted a dog. And I already had gotten a really bad dog. It was awful. It followed every neighbor down the street, and we couldn't keep it home. And it was, it was pathetic. And then it died of worms. So saying all that, I wanted another dog, and Ron said no. And, of course, we had two or three babies in the house at that point, And he said no. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go to the panel and look. And I found the cutest dog you ever saw. I mean, it's the kind I've been looking for. It was cute. I think we named that one Barkley, too. But anyway, that dog was so cute that he peed and pooped all the way home in my van. Oh. And then we got to the house. We had a brand-new carpet put in. And he found every corner in the house to pee and poop on. And then he kept running away, and we couldn't keep him home. He ran away twice, and we had a fence. So how did that happen? But by the third time, he was so cute that somebody kept him, and we never saw him again. (coughs) And I repented, and I said, Lord, I see. I see. That was not blessed. God says he'll bless you. Sarah trusted God when her husband was letting her go to some strange man. But she's, it says she was not frightened. She trusted God. And she's, it also says she believed God would deliver what he had promised. She believed. And she understood authority. And she was a powerful woman. And I'm going, pick me. I want to be, be like that. But our nation has taught that it's bad to submit to men. Well, I'm going to tell you, if the women would come into submit, submission, I believe God would deal with the men who aren't being good fathers and aren't, aren't caring about their homes anymore. But they're like, no, I'm going to do my own thing, and nobody can tell me anymore. And I'm telling you, it's not scriptural. And it's hurt our nation. And we got abortion when all that happened, because it happened in the 60s. And we got the, because that was a whole feminist movement. And I watched our nation begin to crumble because that happened. And yet I'm going to tell you, you women, you can trust God. He gave us awesome husbands here anyway. But you can trust God. If they feel something, listen to them. And if you think they're wrong, give it to God and let him take care of it. He will. We, we heard a teaching years ago that God will bless, black, bless them with a brick. And I believe that. If they're off track, God will take care of them. 
But you know what it was really saying to me? I could humble myself and trust God's authority. And in that, I could live in love. And I could love my husband and I could walk in that. But it wasn't because Ron was, because the Bible says we're all supposed to be submitted to one another. We're supposed to be submitted to our government. You're supposed to be submitted to the leaders of this church. We're supposed to walk in submission. That's what the Bible says. Because if you'll understand authority, God will deal with it. And that's where we're at. And I loved that. I thought, this is all part of humility. My goodness. I wouldn't have, I would have never totally understood it. Sarah understood it. And God gave her her promise. Authority is God's. He uses it as he wills. Faith and humility understand this and rest in God's work. He sits in the heavens and mocks, laughs at men's rebellions because he set his king and kingdom in the greatest authority. So please kiss your son. Kiss the son. And this is the last story of authority. I love this. And this is one of those, you know, maybe Peter was one of those disciples that was like, get the Pharisees. I'm sick of them. They're trying to kill Jesus. I mean, they, they, he really honestly could be. But he was also taught that outside of the Jewish religion and Jews, that you weren't supposed to even touch other, anybody else. So people were untouchable to the Jews. And so listen to this. At that time, there was a military office, officer, and this is Acts 10. There was a Roman military officer, Cornelius, who was in charge of 100 men stationed in Caesarea. He was the captain of the Italian regiment. So this is a big-time leader. But he was a devout man of extraordinary character who worshipped God and prayed regularly together with all his family. He also had a heart for the poor. People that understand authority will have a heart for the poor and gave generously to help them. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had an open vision and saw the angel of God appear right before him, right in front of him, calling out his name, Cornelius. He startled. He was overcome with fear by the sight of, <clears throat> by the, sight of the angel, and he asked, and I love this. This is what he asked. What do you want, sir? He did to that angel. What do you want, sir? I understand authority, and I realize it's just come in my room. What do you want, sir? And the angel said, all your prayers and your generosity to the poor have ascended before God as an eternal offering. Now, some men, uh, send some men to Joppa at once and have them find a man named Simon the Rock who is staying at a guest home in the house of Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And after the angel left, Cornelius called for two of his servants and a trusted godly soldier on this assignment to go get Peter. Now, here's Peter, and he's, he's not gone yet, but the next day, as Cornelius' men were approaching, Peter had gone up to the ha top of the roof to pray. And he's up there on the top of the roof, and God is pulling down veils. He's pulling him down. He's pulling him down. He's pulling down what he thought. He's pulling down all these things that he thought. And I can tell you, we can think things. And sometimes you need to have it broken out so we can think the way God's thinking. It took three times for Peter, who had already been broken at the, at the cross and the crucifixion. He'd already walked through the humbling. 
and God had raised him up, and now God's going to do it again. Three times, Peter, take these unclean foods, which was uh, old laws, take these unclean foods and eat. And he goes, oh, no, Lord, I could never do that. I could never touch those things. And he said, what I've called clean, you are not allowed to call anything else. And I've said it's clean. What I've made clean is clean. Listen to me. Because he's got the Holy Spirit. He's listening. And Peter had it happen three times. And so he's so stunned by this vision, he couldn't stop wondering what it meant. And then Cornelius's men had learned where Peter was staying, and they asked him to come and, and go to talk to Cornelius because of all the things that happened. And so Peter went down and said, I think, I think I'm to go. He, they told him, we serve Cornelius, a Roman, t- Roman military captain who sent us to find you. He's a devout man of the highest integrity who worships God and is respected throughout the Jewish community. He was divinely instructed through the appearance of an angel to summon you to his home and to listen to the message that you would bring him. So Peter went with them. And when he first met Cornelius, Cornelius bowed down and he said, Stand up, I'm only a man. I'm no different from you. Because Cornelius still understood authority. And Peter said to them, you know it's against the Jewish laws. You know it is for me to even associate with you, for me to even be in this door or even visit the home of one who is not a Jew. I'm breaking everything I've ever known. All the veils are coming off my eyes. Everything I thought I knew, I'm, I'm having it taken away. And he said, you all know that it's against the Jewish laws for me to even associate. Anyway, yet God has shown me I should never view, right, veil off. I should never see anyone as inferior or unclean. So when you sent for me, I came without objection. I was broken. Now I may ask you why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting and praying. And here in my home at this very hour, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, a man with glistening clothing suddenly appeared in front of my eyes. And he said, Cornelius, God's heard your prayers. Your generosity to the poor has been recorded and remembered in God's presence. However, you must send for a man named Simon the Rock who's staying at Joppa. And immediately I sent my man. And Peter said, now I know for certain God doesn't show favoritism with people but treats everyone on the same basis it makes no difference what race uh, people one belongs to if they show deep reverence for god and are committed to doing what's right they're acceptable before him god sent his word first to the jewish people announcing a wonderful hope and peace through jesus the anointed the glorious one the lord of all you're well aware jesus of nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. I love that scripture, and here it is, right in the middle of Peter's sermon to a, non, a non-Jew. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with great power. He did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil, for God had anointed him. Jesus ordered us to preach and warn the people God had appointed him to be the judge of the living and the dead. 
and not only us, but all the prophets agree in their writings that everyone who believes in him and receives forgiveness of sins through the power of his name. While Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell over all that were listening. Another shocker. Another shocker. Holy Spirit fell. Peter was astounded because it was poured out on people who weren't Jews. God was breaking it again. For they heard him speaking supernaturally, giving languages and passionately praising God. So Peter said, how could we object to these people getting baptized because they've received the Holy Spirit just as we have? God always is pulling down veils. I loved when Callie prophesied that. He's always taking us to a different level. And that level will bring the power of the Holy Spirit like it did for Peter. I believe that he wants us to see and understand authority and love authority, love submission, but also love the authority that's been given to us, to recognize it, to walk in it. I love that Ron, after going through this cancer, he recognizes authority over sickness. I mean, every time he's out, if he sees anything, he's just like, oh, i got to talk to that one. God wants to bring that in all of us. He really, really does. He wants us to know his authority. And he wants us to be like Sarah and not afraid to submit and to trust God that he'll deal. He'll deal. I'm believing that over our nation. We've been praying for years. I mean, I believe answers have come and are coming. I believe we're going to see the end of abortion. I think we're seeing the ends of so many things that were worse things that have come. But I believe that God wants to move in greater power among us. And if we don't understand this authority and the authority of others, and I'm talking secular, Timothy says all men hold all, all leaders in honor. That means don't badmouth our leaders. If the church would stop criticizing and pray and submit, I believe you'd see God even do more. He's teaching us, you guys. All these things are more and more revelation. And I don't know about you, but I love the journey. I loved what Jared shared, and, and it was some of this, some really. And it's like, God, you're doing these things. So let's stand. I want us to pray uh, a prayer after me. I just want you, I, I will, I'll pray a line and I want you to pray it if you can, if you can, if you feel it's in your heart. Father, I thank you for my salvation in Jesus Christ. I thank you I'm covered with your glory. I ask you to forgive me for having veils of my own opinions. I ask you to teach me, to show me new, to continue to remove veils and set me in a higher place in you. I choose to keep authority on my feet 
to walk in who I am in you. To make a difference wherever I go. Father, I ask that you would be glorified in all our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. 